All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We're uh, we're filming this right now on my iPhone. My all my camera gear is in Boone, and uh, I want to get this this episode up to you guys as soon as possible. So I figured just use what I got. But first off, thank you to everybody who has watched the first episode of the podcast or listened. We got some some really nice feedback and some really nice comments from you guys. So. That was awesome. I'm glad you guys like the podcast format. I thought it was a ton of fun. And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you guys with my uh, my buddy, Bryant Patterson. Uh, Brian is a really talented videographer. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's worked for some of the biggest fishing brands in the industry. And he currently works for the Guggen Squad and um, has worked with John B and all those guys. So we had a really fun conversation, getting to pick his brain, kind of how he came up in uh, the videography world and how he kind of dipped his toes and is now working full time for the Guggen Squad and kind of what that process looks like. For you guys out there who are videographers, creatives, photographers, or people who are curious, you know, people who are interested in maybe getting into that at some point, uh, this is a really good conversation for you. And uh, hopefully there's some things in this that you guys can take away and hopefully learn from Brian's journey and his process and some of the things that we talk about in this conversation. But before we dive into the episode, I want to let you guys know that we are running a uh, holiday sale, a Black Friday sale, Cyber Monday sale, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's going to be running through the 2nd of December. So that is this coming Wednesday for any of you who are listening right away. So if you guys are interested in saving up to 25% off on a bunch of our gear, go check that out www.wild-fly.com slash shop. You can go check that out and all the discounts are applied automatically. So enough of me talking here. Let's, uh, let's just dive into the episode with Brian. Three, two, one. We are live. Dude, we're in a, we're in Texas. Southern Texas. Southern Texas right now with um, here with my buddy Bryant and uh, we're down in Texas doing a little red fishing um, last couple days and uh, trying to trying to definitely trying to we stink. (laughs) I mean, that's just the the long, long story short. We it's been a tough two days. Maybe tomorrow might be good. Conditions are looking better. But we found out the hard way that we suck at saltwater fishing. <laughs> we had 20 mile an hour winds, which like we, we had no choice but to like mm-hmm. basically call it for most of the day. Um, <laughs> that's our excuse, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we turned around and did the same thing that we oh my we got caught in this morning. There's just there was big rollers just out in the main channel, and uh, we got caught in it this morning. And my boat does not handle big waves at all and yeah. uh, we got caught we in this morning and we're like man that was bad and then we went out and did it again i know <laughs> i know and we went it, like into the channel where it was like even worse and coming back like into the wind was just i thought we, i literally like i don't panic very much when i'm out on the boat but today there was a little point in me and i was like all right I'm kind of panicking right now but we made it back it's the unknown it's the the salt water is the unknown to us. Like we didn't grow up doing yeah. this type of stuff. Like I don't even know which which way I can like or which which part of the bay I can like go on plane on or like anything like that. Like it's just I feel like I'm walking on thin ice wherever I go in salt water. Yeah. So y'all heard it first. <laughs> I'm not a saltwater fisherman, but I do love me some redfish. So. But it's cool to kind of like switch it up from 
trout fishing or bass fishing like it's it a is. totally different game and sure. it's something i'm i'm intrigued with and want to get better at yeah. well shout out to scotty but got on two fish today a gup we got one gup and uh then we got a pretty good fish but yeah. uh enough of enough of our trip you guys you guys can watch a video and, and find out how sure. how this trip ends up but dude i'm glad we can finally make this happen um For i think sure. this will be this will be a ton of fun uh, I was thinking recently, it was really funny how I was trying to think back. I was like, when did we like actually meet? And, um, I know we like followed each other on Instagram. That's kind of like how we connected. But I think, I think we were in that like Instagram, uh, what's it called? It was just a big group of people it's just like in an Instagram community type. Yeah. Type like deal. People in the fishing. Yeah. They were just fishing people. And I forget what the, the term is for it. I don't know what it was either, but we were in that, but like we had followed each other like before that for sure. It was for for you guys who don't know, it was like one of those Instagram, you get in like a group, like Instagram group with people in like the fly fishing world or whatever industry you're in. And basically like the, the thing is like you, whenever you post or whatever, you just, you put your post into the, into the message and then everyone goes and comments and it's supposed to like drive engagement and it was like, the idea is like, cool. Like it, it makes sense. But then when you get into it, it's like super, it's not authentic. And it's just, yeah, it's not, it's it just, wasn't, it wasn't like what I wanted out of, but anyways, we, we both recognize that, which I feel like yeah, I got out of it. Like, so quick. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about Instagram. <laughs> I, I know. I'm on a weird hiatus. Don't ask me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Every but time we fish though You get an Instagram post out We're I trying do. this time I do Yeah we're trying We need to have a stellar day Yeah And we'll get We'll get an Instagram post up But yeah I guess that w That was like kind of Just the, the Our first interactions Well maybe Like before that There was something else Like I think we both Followed each other On Instagram And then um, You know That little Group thing happen and i think me and you messaged each other we're just kind of like fuck this <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, yeah so tread lightly people of the instagram when you when you get asked to join those groups sometimes sometimes they're good sometimes they're you know i don't know but besides that i was you know like when i first i guess saw yourself on instagram i was like super impressed because it definitely Appreciate stood it. like your content for fly fishing especially definitely stood out to me it was very well produced the sound was very good like Appreciate top notch and I mean, it was, it was like some of the better fly fishing content that I had seen. And so, um, especially some of the slow-mo stuff with the, the FS seven or 700 or whatever. Yeah. This is a beast. Yeah. Um, but yeah. what was super cool is we, we were able to connect finally and, mm -hmm. uh, make it, make a trip happen up to New Hampshire and, uh, and do a little trip. That was, that was, that was awesome. But then also it was like, yeah. it was, it was a total learning curve for us in terms of like the freelance world and mm -hmm. the filming world, like figuring it out, you know? Yeah. That was like first couple shoots for like, I'd done some like YouTube things like before then, which is not really that detailed at all. But like, that was like kind of the first couple, maybe like first five like client type shoots. I remember Scotty just like messaging me on, on Instagram. Like, Hey, do you want to like, there's, there's this lodge and, it's up in was it in New, New Hampshire? New Hampshire, yeah. New Hampshire. It's up in New Hampshire, and like, do you want to go? And like, 
<laughs> and like at the time it actually worked out perfect because like i i was doing like lodge videos like hunting and fishing lodge videos like me and a buddy back home we're we're kind of teaming up and doing these hunting and fishing lodge videos and so like at the time it really made sense and i was i was glad you know i went on the trip it was, it was pretty fun and yeah i learned a lot too because i was i felt like i was kind of heading i mean yeah kind of directing it totally and um yeah it was it was a good trip it was it was like my first like introduction to I'd say like a big freelance project, like yeah. dealing with a client and like figuring, cause I think it's so hard as like, as someone who, you know, is a creative and like, especially like filming world or the photography world, like figuring out how to value yourself and like what your time and everything is worth. For that sure. can be really tricky. So that was a good, you know, I think like introduction to it. And we both just like helped each other throughout it. Um, mm-hmm. learn things from each other. And that For was, sure. was, was awesome. But let's, let's like take a step back. Yeah. I'd like to hear kind of how, you know, you came about doing all this filming and, you know, where mm-hmm. that kind of started for you and how that has kind of turned into like your career today, you know? I've always filmed like ever since I was a little kid. Like I remember getting like the, you know, your mom's Sony Handycam or something like that or, or whatever those old, the old, old cameras with like the disc in them it would it, it would like automatically write to like a dvd or something mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was but i would i remember filming on those like at a really early age just like s- silly stuff you know around the around the house and i don't know i mean it just kind of has always been a thing i've always been the guy on like the trips with friends um that brings some sort of camera and uh it just kind of evolved over time um, I remember editing my first video when I was like, probably like nine and it was on windows movie maker. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think sh- we've all been there. Shout out to anyone who still uses windows. Movie yeah. Maker. <laughs> you're a beast. If, you st- if, if it still exists, I don't know if it exists, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I just started playing around with it when I was like nine years old and it was, it just kind of made sense to me. Um, not saying that editing's easy, but I made some crappy video <laughs> and showed my mom or, or someone in my family. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's, that looks great, Brian. That looks great. <laughs> I don't know what, it, I think it was just stock footage that came on like the windows XP computers or Whatever some of some of those old computers. There was like stock footage. I don't think I'm making this up. I think there was like stock images and footage footage that came on the computer. Damn. So I just like started editing one day randomly, little nine-year-old me. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, ever since then, I just had always filmed on like family vacations, fishing, obviously. I filmed a lot of that. GoPro, I've always said GoPro is like the most influential company as far as getting people into filming. Yeah, totally. That was the number one for me. Literally everyone I know right now who's in my industry like you um west davis i work with west davis a good bit um and a couple other guys too all got their start using a gopro and it's just like just film kind of whatever happens whether it's good or bad and slap some music over it and like it's it it has got so many people into this industry it's not even funny 
yeah it's pretty crazy but yeah i just kind of evolved over time and then after college i was just like i really couldn't see myself doing anything else and so just kind of ran with it let's let's i guess let's backtrack for a second um and go back to one like where you grew up and what your childhood and upbringing looked like because obviously outdoors were super influential for you for sure getting into this career and just like fishing in general hunting everything that you know you love to do yeah um so what is what is growing up for you look like like were you around a you know an outdoor oriented family and um you know when did you kind of get introduced to all of the the outdoor recreation for sure um so i am from huntsville alabama which is extreme north alabama i mean i'm like 20 or 30 minutes from the tennessee line i grew up fishing in both states i have a family that is very outdoors centered and i mean i just grew up hunting and fishing i mean that's what my dad does that's what everyone in my family does yeah i mean north alabama is a a good place to to grow up and you know learn how to hunt and fish and you know i it's it's kind of a place that's I'm just rambling now. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> what what else was? What yeah. Was so question? basically, you know, like going from, you know, like like talking through kind of how you got introduced to fly fishing, hunting, oh yeah, and how that kind of carried into what you do today. I got introduced to fly fishing from my grandfather. One day we were going. We go to the lake. We have a place on a. a a river called the Elk River in Tennessee. And um, one day we were going there. We we go there. My family goes there all the time, every summer, you know, for weeks and weeks at a time. And one day, it was like midsummer, and we were going there, and my grandfather like called me and was like, hey, like, this is when I was really young, or called my mom. I guess I didn't have a cell phone back then. It's was <laughs> like, hey, like, I have a, I have a surprise, uh, like, when you get to the lake house, like, um, I, th- I think you'll like whatever I bought you from the store. And I think he went to like Walmart or, or Dick's or something like that and got me like a starter kit. And this is when I was really little and, um, I picked it up and I caught some bluegill on it. Like that weekend I caught some, like, I think I caught some white bass or yellow bass on them. And, uh, it was kind of just instant for me after that. I was just like, I kind of like this. Like it just, it feels good when you hook a fish. It really does. Um, it feels better than, you know, a regular rod. Yeah. Totally. And, um, yeah, I was, I was just kind of hook, hooked after that. And, you know, I just, I just kept at it for some reason. I guess I liked it well enough where I was like, Hey, like I don't really want to do any sort of fishing besides fly fishing. And that's the way I was for a long while. And fly fishing puts you in some of the beauti- most beautiful places in the world. Like a river in the mountains. I don't know if you can get much beautiful, more beautiful than that. But that's kind of where my filming and photos and, and, and stuff like that took off. Like both of them kind of grew together. I, I credit like filming a lot to fly fishing and like my, my travels fly fishing. 
mm-hmm. because you go to some of the coolest places and get to see some of the, the, the coolest things and you want to like tell your friends about it. And like, I would, I would try to tell my friends about it. Like when I first started and they'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that sounds cool. But then, you know, I start pick, start taking the camera with me and it's like, Hey, like look at this and this cool. Oh, this is kind of cool actually. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shoot, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Also, you can brag about you know, how big <laughs> yeah. the fish was that you caught. But. I feel like like when I first started, I was kind of the same route in terms of like, I was like, when I was really getting into fly fishing, I was also getting into filming and like bringing the GoPro along and like filming our trips because I felt like it was it was such a cool and unique experience that like I wanted to share with people. I was like, this is like so much fun. Why are like not more of my friends like doing this? Like I want to share people like how much how much fun we're doing. Yeah. And I feel like when, when, when I was starting and this might be the same for you, um, I felt like people almost had like a turned like a cold shoulder to like people who filmed fly fishing. I felt like it was like a lot of people were kind of like, Oh, like what's this dude with a camera, you know, bringing a camera along. Like that's so silly. Like you should be focusing on the fishing. And I felt like some pressure from that, from I guess certain people going in, but I feel like it's so important, like, for people, like, or people who enjoy documenting and enjoy their fishing. I encourage so many people to to get out and fi- and film. Yeah, because I think it's, I think it's such a great way to one relook, like, relive your experience. No matter if you're posting mm-hmm. on YouTube or if it's just for yourself or anything. But I think especially the um, fly fishing industry industry growing so much right now, it being like a great opportunity for people to, to share their content like on YouTube. And I'm sure you're aware of that. Sure. Working on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty familiar with YouTube. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of lost track with totally what I was going to say there, but let's, um, I kind of want to transition to like YouTube and, um, yeah, let's like walk me through how you, you know, you graduate college and you start getting into this filming thing. How do you kind of land now with, you know, working with the Guggen squad, like one of the biggest YouTube channels for the fishing industry? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what does that look like that process look like for you? And, you know, how, how do you kind of end up to where like, you are? How did I get there? Yeah. Like, I'd love to hear just, you know, what that sounds like. Shoot. Uh, I got there filming a lot for not much money, uh, to be quite honest. Um, I had an internship right out of college, um, or it was like my final thing for college with a company called Montana Wild, and I filmed I filmed my ass off out west and, you know, put together a little reel. It's like 2017 or something like that, <laughs> and like put together a little reel and just, I mean, I, I filmed so much like that summer and learned a lot from those guys and I guess I just, I built a a portfolio up. I think that's the most important thing for any sort of creative out there. Like having a portfolio, some sort of portfolio you can show like, Hey, this is what I can do. And you know, I, I, I think after that summer I built my, my portfolio up enough and I just was, man, it was just such a random event. I was, I was DM'd one day by, this dude on Instagram named John B. It was just random. It was like February 2018, maybe. And he was like, "Hey man, really like your work or something." Along. I don't really remember how the conversation went, but 
we just started talking and um i i had noticed him like a while ago like he followed me and i was like who the who the heck is this dude this dude's got a lot of followers yeah he has, <laughs> like, he has a ton of followers i don't i i don't watch youtube like i still don't really watch youtube but um yeah, he he followed me and then and then we start we started messaging on Instagram like, hey, like, and he's like, hey, I I always need like people to help me film, like, do you do you want to help me like sometime in a future project or something? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I do in fact have a trip to Iceland or no Greenland coming up. Not a bad way to your first trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. Um, that was like that was the first trip I ever I ever took like kind of my first like gig like on my own and it was a great trip. John B is a great guy and um I I really liked working for him for sure. Um but man that that trip was <laughs> kind of gnarly. Yeah. No, nothing happened. I don't know if any of you guys follow John B on YouTube or anything like that, but like nothing happened on the trip. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. We just, <laughs> we just kind of toured around Iceland instead of Greenland. <laughs> we were supposed to go to Greenland. We had three failed landing attempts in Greenland. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. We would hop on the plane and it's not that far from Reykjavik to uh, where we were flying to in Greenland. And we would come over the ocean there and it was, it was crazy. Like once you got to Greenland, like that's the most insane landscape I've ever seen in my life. Like just from the plane, I was like, holy moly, <laughs> this is insane. And like you come in there in this little seaplane, I don't even know what it was. And like, there's a ton of fog. You're coming through the clouds and you're like, where's the ground? <sighs> I don't know where the ground is. And we didn't even see it the first time. We didn't, I don't even think we saw the ground the first time, but like, the first time was definitely the scariest. We came in there like super hot. And the the pilot had to pull some weird maneuver that like sent everyone into like a G force. Like <laughs> and like the plane was shaking, people were screaming, and like or they weren't screaming, but like people were like people were like making noises freaked out. like nervous. Was, like, it was like a small little plane. Yeah. And like the sheet, like the the seats were shaking, and like we pulled this just insane G force. Like we were coming down to the runway, and we couldn't even see it. And we were we were coming down, and we're like, okay, okay, don't see it. And finally, the pilot's just like, I'm getting out of here. Like screw this, and just pulls up on the sticks. And like the place we were in Greenland, like the valleys are not that wide. Like there was mountains on either side of us. Like he had to do this insane maneuver, like kind of up and out of this valley. You're like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah. I got off the plane that day and I called my sister. I remember. And I was just like, I almost just crashed. And I don't think we're that close to crashing, but yeah. like it, I've never, I've, I've been in a lot of planes in my career. And like that was easily the scariest Knock on wood. And then and then the lobstick one, of course. The new <laughs> <laughs> the one to Boston. That one wasn't that bad. No, no, that wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. But so then how'd you guys end up in Iceland? Well, I mean three they're not that close, are they? Or um it was it was pretty close. Um it was like 
an hour or something flight. Oh, okay. So, but like they, it's not like you could fly there, see if like the runway is like good enough to land or maybe like choose an airport nearby. It was like, that's the only choice. Yeah. <laughs> and so like you, could, they literally only had enough gas in the plane to go there and back. And like if they spent any time there at, at the location where the runway was like, you know, you might run out of gas on the way back. I don't know. Oh it was gosh. really sketchy. Jesus. So did you guys end up doing like any fishing? No, no, nope. no, I get, I get hired for a fishing, <laughs> a fishing series and we don't do any fishing at all. So we like, we actually had a really fun time in Iceland. It was, it was a lot of fun. Like we, we would just, it was, it kind of became routine, like, especially after like the second and third time we would get on the plane and like go over there. Nope. Runway doesn't look good. And like the second or third time we finally saw the runway, it was like a gravel like strip and oh it, it was like not suitable for a plane. Like it just didn't look good. Yeah. And, uh, so you whip a Yui, go back to Iceland, land in Iceland. Then you have the whole day. And uh, go explore Iceland, and uh, it was kind of cool. But that that was kind of a cool first gig, and that was kind of like how that all started with like Guggen. Um, since then, John and uh, the other guys for Guggen asked me to to come on with them um, to to do most of the Guggen Squad videos. Nice. So we, um, yeah, that's kind of. So they're like, all right, Greenland was good. Like, let's bring them on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was there was a little bit of time yeah. in between that. I did a couple series for John, but directly, what, what was that like? Like for your like, you know, that was kind of like your first. I feel like gig like out of college, or in terms of like, you know, on your own, like your your first yeah. your first deal, like, and you're shooting for this 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 guy on YouTube. You know, yeah. was it? Did you have like a lot of like creative freedom going into it, or is it kind of like? Yeah directed or what what did that look like for you yeah i mean you just you're you're talking about like the the format yeah just like the format and like the series and everything it's really there is a lot of creative freedom when you're filming for someone like john john's a pretty creative guy and um you know when i worked for him it was all like hey there's full creative freedom there's a couple things that you just need to go by when you edit this thing like cut some cuss words out and, and stuff like that. But other yeah. than that, it's just full creative freedom. And that was pretty refreshing and on any project when you're, when you're granted full creative freedom, like that's, that's a great project to be on because it, it doesn't box you in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I answered your question. And, you know, and, and I feel like you're also speaking more like true to like your, like your voice, you know, maybe it's like oh, you're sure, filming yeah. someone else. But you're still able to kind of portray. Oh, there's that timer. There's the timer. Sorry, guys. Got to restart the camera. Yeah, if anyone knows how to combat the the whole 30-minute time deal on the Sonys, definitely let us know. But so yeah, so you so you start filming for John. Yep. And then you get um, you know, this opportunity to come work for Guggen. Yeah. What was like going through your head? You know, going into that um, you know, decision and like being able to you know, work for a company like that and film in the fishing industry? Uh, I mean, it was, it was a pretty easy decision. Like at the time I was like, heck yeah. Like the, the guy who heads, uh, I don't know if any of you guys know, 
I, I mentioned his name once before, but Wes Davis uh, is an extremely talented creator out there. Fly fishing industry, fishing industry in general. Like I, I really respect the dude. Um, and he is kind of headed up the whole Guggen Squad um, video stuff. Like kind of, he was their first like person that they collaborated with for filming. Um, and he kind of has brought every uh, not brought everyone together but like has kind of headed up the video department all of the Guggen Squad stuff and a lot of the other productions that are associated with the Guggens and stuff like that and so like I knew of Wes pretty well like going into it and um, was inspired by his work a lot and so it was a really easy decision like when John asked me I was like heck yeah like that it sounds great to me and getting to work for like with somebody who, like you said, you're like super inspired by. Yeah, for sure. And like look That's up never to. Never thing. Yeah. What? So you know now, like what? You're two years in. Is yeah, that a little over two years. Two years in. Yeah. I'm sure like you've grown a ton. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Production, editing, like. Yeah. Everything. Um, yeah. So like two years of like doing the same thing. Like I love to edit. That is my favorite thing. Like you could you could throw away the camera. Like I don't personally, I don't own, I do own one camera, <laughs> but I never use it. I just, I've fallen in love, you know, with the, with the post-production side of things. Um, I know that sounds boring to a lot of you camera people, but I just love editing and that's just kind of my thing. And it's, it's really been more apparent to me especially after two years of, of editing and, and filming at the same time, I always just am dying to get back in, in the post-production, you know, room. And, and, uh, I love kind of wrestling with a story and like piecing it together. And, um, yeah, two years of working for, for Guggen has really helped me refine what my process is. It, it may, it's made me really confident in creating a story um, and in crafting a video from start to finish. And so, um, I mean, I guess if you do anything long enough, like you're, you'll, you'll find a quicker way to do it. And you'll yeah. find, you'll obviously get better. Yeah. Not saying I'm the greatest, but I am pretty good. I am confident in what I do. <laughs> and I think creative confidence is like super really important as, sure. a, as a creator. Um, because sure. you want to be in a position where you can yeah. get into that kind of try to get to that flow state where sure. everything is going smoothly. Obviously you're going to run into roadblocks with yeah. any story that you put together, but you know, finding as many times throughout the editing process that you can get into that state where you're like cranking it out is, is super important. But like what, what is, you know, your process and look like for like just a story in general from like, you know, what, what like fundamentals of a story are you looking for typically when you're going out to try to film and like put together a video? I've heard the saying before, but it's like when you're going into filming, when you're going to go film something, film like you at, ed you're editing it. Like, like almost, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but almost visualize like a timeline, like you're editing timeline out there when you have your camera in your hand. And you need those, you know, loose ends tied up. You need intros, outros, talking points. Okay, what happened here? Okay, what happened there? Why do you think that? And stuff and stuff like that. Hey, where are we? 
like everyone when you're when you're a young creative i'm not saying i'm this old sage or anything <laughs> like that but when you're a young creative yeah everyone's telling you no and i feel like if you do your work enough and you you work hard enough and you develop that confidence it's kind of like breaking out of that like no you can't do that no your work is terrible yeah you you kind of have to like eliminate you have to really look at the people that are give, like giving you feedback you really have to take um in consideration who is who is giving you feedback and and if they're someone who is just some random dude on YouTube that's criticizing your work like you you can't be like you <laughs> the YouTube Nazis yeah <laughs> you I'm sure you know of, about that yeah. you you got to think about like who you're you're actually going to take, you know, someone's opinion seriously. Yeah. Like if it's someone you care about and someone you love, like someone who's close to you and they give you valuable feedback or criticism, like mm-hmm. I feel like that's more important than looking at all the Instagram comments or looking at all the YouTube comments. Yeah. And so although you aren't like the Guggen squad, like the guys, so to say, you're like behind the scenes doing the, the video and the editing. I'm sure that those comments still kind of play a role in like what you're doing how like how have you kind of gone around you know negative comments yeah like negative comments and like how have you kind of dealt with (laughs) seeing those and like with your work being criticized i mean it's easier said than done with like youtube comments because like the minute you respond to a youtube comment and like kind of try to fire back it's just a black hole and like i remember doing stuff for john like y'all can look on the first video that iceland video i was talking about like that thing was not color graded. <laughs> like the sound effects were off. Someone was commenting about the color grading and how bad that, that John should fire the cameraman that like <laughs> oh, that he hired for this trip. It's just the worst video I've ever seen type stuff. And at first I was kind of freaking out. I was like, these people hate me. Like well, <laughs> what's going on yeah. here? Like I, I didn't think the video was that bad. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It, you got to decide at some point, are you going to let that define you or are you just going to try to have thicker skin and just be like, and basically screw that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Cause like the, his opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. His opinion doesn't matter. Just like, I just kind of let it bounce off of you. Basically just don't take their opinion to heart is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Like it's easier said than done. You know, you spend all night working on some edit and then some little, nerd on youtube it's just like this is the worst thing i've ever seen yeah sitting behind the screen they have so much power yeah i'm like hey thanks for taking time out of your day to comment that i really made mine so appreciate it yeah um so i know something for you is that's i've been definitely influenced by and inspired by is your sound design and you know the way you go about that talk about like when you figured out you know when sound was like such an important part of a story and like how you in start involving that more in, you know, your films. So yeah, the moment I realized that sound, I would, I would, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. I would argue that video editing is not really video editing at all. It's all sound design. I would argue that. Like some pe- some of you would be like, oh, no, it's composition. It's this. But you got the most beautiful video. And it just, if it's a silent film, <laughs> you're going to. You've not, run into that. <laughs> you're not going to watch it. Yeah, I've run into that. 
And that that is what made me really appreciate Samazon. I uh, after my internship after college uh, in Montana, I went on like a cross country, like just fishing and filming tour. Like I fished from Montana down to Colorado, and just in Wyoming. I spent a lot of time in Wyoming, and then road trip to Arkansas. And like basically just fish my way all the way back to Alabama. And I got this thing, this camera that I'd heard a lot about. It's FS 700, which Scotty mentioned a while ago. Yeah. It films, it was like the first camera of its kind, like back in the day. This is like a 15 year old camera, maybe even older than that. And like the big thing was that it was the first, one of the first cameras that was in like a decent price range that could film in 240. And you could slow the footage down, like, tremendously. Way down. And not only that, but it did pre-record, which it basically records, you know, like, 10 seconds before you press the record button. So, like, you, you like... is it called, like, cache recording or something? Yeah, it's, like, a, some sort of cache recording. Yeah. Um, but you wait for something to happen, then you press the button, and it goes back in time 10 seconds. Instead of filming a trout eating... You know, a fly or missing a fly three times in a row. You just wait for him to eat it and then press record and it jumps back 10 seconds. It's really cool. Game changer for fly fishing videos. Yeah, game changer for fly fishing videos. But, <laughs> but here's the big but, and this is where it all ties in it doesn't record sound. <laughs> and so I literally filmed a whole cross country tour with a bunch of people. Um, I met up with a bunch of people, just filmed a bunch of people, a bunch of slow-mo eats. I have a lot of slow-mo, cool slow-mo in my arsenal. Yeah. You know, in my in my drives from a long time ago, from that whole trip. There was a, That was one of the, bi- the bigger fails that I've had because I promised too much and nothing happened. And one of the reasons it didn't happen was because I didn't have any sound. And I had all this cool footage but there was no story, no sound. And I just, I kind of felt like an idiot. And I was like, okay, well there, now there's something more to this sound design. And so I dove deeper. I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. I won't even go into mm-hmm. what, what all there is um, as far as resources and learning goes, but you can find them really easy on the internet, just, you know, workshops and stuff like that. And um, there's a few other things too, but, I mean, that was the biggest switch in my editing and filming career. And I was just like, dang, I really got to pay more attention to this because the footage you take means nothing. I th- I think some of you guys might disagree with me, but like, I think it means nothing if you don't have any sound. So basically how, how does, you know, after basically after that trip, you know, you realize the importance of sound. What What is like a big part of involving that for you now and like in your stories and the films that you put together? Like it, it literally decides whether people are going to watch your video or not. Like you hear, a lot of people say you hear before you see. And I, I really do think that rings true. Like if there's a video out there, maybe this video, like the, uh, Audio is all blown out and my voice just is, is peaking. <laughs> like it, 
y'all are going to check out of it so quick, but, uh, like you're going to check out of it so quick. I, I really do believe you hear, or yeah, you hear before you see. And, uh, you just, so yeah, I mean, audio plays a huge role. Was, was there anyone that kind of played a big role? Like, like, was there anyone that was super, um, inspirational for you or an influential on, on your, uh, filming? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I won't go in the story. I met this guy at, uh, my sister's wedding, actually. Um, this dude, his name's Rusty Cockrell and, um, he has been just the driving force, I think, behind my whole career. And my career's definitely not over. For, I hadn't made anything yet. Yeah. And, like, but that being said, like, this guy has, like, helped me from square one. And I can't encourage anyone enough out there to be like this dude. He was super patient with me coming up. I didn't know anything. But he was still patient with me and learning, learning stuff, and and uh, he was just a big inspiration to, to my work. And uh, you did the that was like what you did all the lodge films were with, right? Yeah. So he, he loves the outdoors just like I do, and so he's really specialized in in the lodge and the hospitality industry. Or uh, he, he at least was there for a while. He's working for a land company right now uh, in Middle Tennessee. Yeah, no, definitely. Because especially with the sound design. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that relates very much so. Because I was like, why does this dude always care about, like... Because I knew him before, like, my trip to to Montana... Or my... When I lived out in Montana. And, like, I'd filmed with him once before I went out there. And I was like, why does this dude always care about sound? And, like, if you know this guy, like, Rusty is, like, the biggest sound freak ever he makes sure just every level is right and like he honestly is really good at what he does um as far as sound goes and just mixing dialogue and ambience and sound effects too like really subtle sound effects like he's pretty dang he has an ear for sure so he kind of made me pay attention to it more I, you've, your work in like working with you, especially with the Shorebus Diaries, like has been huge with, you know, throwing ideas back and forth, sure. and especially involving sound. And I think, I think another thing that's been really big is kind of switching. I think I used to just like find a track that was mm-hmm. good for a video and then I'd be like, oh, this is good. And then I'd fit the video to yeah. the song. Yeah. But I think if you kind of reverse that mm-hmm. and go at it, the other, like, I feel like the correct way, which is you should fit the music to the story, you yeah. know, fit the music to the film and the mood. Yeah. I mean, sometimes in my career, like I've been either way for sure. Like when I first started and most of the time when people first start, it's like, Hey, I really like this song by, uh, what was the song? The song Sail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sail. AWOL Nation. Yeah. Yeah. Every GoPro I, video from yes. 2012 on. <laughs> yeah. I really like this song. I'm going to try to make this this footage work with it. And, you know, the everyone starts out like that, but you kind of find that it works both ways. Like if you reverse it too, where you lay the video out first before you do any sort of song searching or any sort of it's it sometimes works and it sometimes works better um 
I mean, if I have a juicy track right now, like it's, you know, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to fit something to it, but, totally. and you know, that you always have to be searching because if you do find that perfect song, like it, it really does make it a lot easier to like hear the song before you even go on a shoot. Um, sometimes like before shoot, I'll just listen to music on music bed or mm-hmm. SoundCloud or something like that and try to find something that kind of fits the vibe I'm looking for. You know, if I, if I know it's a shoot in Maine, what's going to kind of scream like Maine wildlife or, or Maine, like a town in Maine or, or a woodland scene or something like that. What's going to kind of fit that scene. And so that's a good practice to have. There's a, like, cause you spend so much time going through yeah. music. Like, I, I mean, dude, it's, it's one of the most painful processes. Like it's very rewarding, but it's, it's one of the most painful parts of doing, you know, of like the editing process. Cause you're sitting, you're sitting there and you hear, like, you know, the sound in your head, like, you know what you're looking for. Sure. You can't fully like put it to like a song, but you, when you hear it and you finally find the track, you're like, that's it. Like, yep. boom. Oh, for sure. But yeah. finding that sometimes can be so yeah. tough, dude. Like for sure. Well, doing it on the front end helps yeah. tremendously because you're not you're not stupid like you know what's what the trip is is in general gonna be like and yeah you can't really predict how everything's gonna be or how every experience is is gonna play out mm-hmm. as you're kind of piecing your story in, in your head but like before the trip even happens like listening to music and getting kind of like a feel for like okay there might be like a scene where we're walking through the woods here and like traveling from point A to point B. This would be a good song to use for like a journey portion of my video. Like we're, we're traveling from point A to point B. This is the song that I think would, would fit good with like a, you know, a, a scene like that. And it, and it really, I, it's been a key factor in my editing I feel like is is listening to stuff before you even shoot it. So. And like also when you go into a shoot, I'm curious to see or to hear what you know what what's like going through your mind before you're about to go on a shoot because you've been doing this for a while now and so like mm-hmm. you've kind of got it figured out like you've got a lot of it dialed like your your process at least but yeah. like what does it look like going into a shoot you know for you and like the the pre planning or whatever process you do or just like what's going through your head. It's all about the storyline, for sure. I know that's a simple answer, but like getting, you know, your subject from point A to point B, and like making sure things make sense. You know, you you gotta you gotta wrestle with the story even before the post production stage. Like, it just it starts in your head. Like when you're seriously, the first step is listening to music. And then you're out there on 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 the scene, and it's go time. And you got to make sure all those loose ends are tied up. You got to the people in front of the camera. You got to say, "Hey, can you repeat that?" Because I wasn't recording. Or, "Hey, can you say that again?" But you know, you sounded kind of flat. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause you're like in a director role then in that part. Yeah, and you're stepping in and like. Because I think a lot of times you're like, 
at least for me, I would be filming and be like, oh, I don't want to like interrupt like what's going on. Like I don't want to for sure. You know, I don't want to make this awkward or anything. But sometimes you need someone to say something sure. the cer- a certain way or get a shot or get them to say whatever yeah. for the story aspect. Sure. And like consciously being aware of that throughout the whole edit or the whole shooting process is yeah. so important. And that's something I've learned like the w- with like short pastires that we've done working yeah. together. And, um, you know, you want like, like you're saying, you're taking your, your characters through a journey yeah. and you, you want to, you know, bring the audience along and like answer all the unanswered questions throughout the way. For sure. And I think it's, it's really good to look at that, like look at it like that in that approach. Cause that's like the fundamentals to filmmaking Yeah. opposed to just what I used to do, which was going out, shooting a bunch of footage see what happens. and then sitting there for hours trying to figure out what is the story yeah and sure. so like the like going into it and, I, and it all goes down to just doing it more like the more you yeah, do it the does. more you'll figure out your process and that's exactly what people don't want to hear yeah yeah, exactly. yeah when i was coming up like i didn't want to hear that i was like i think i can film <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it really does boil down to just doing the process it is a process like as many times as you can do it no matter what the subject is of the video no matter if it's a shitty video or like something you're really passionate about it's all practice and so as many times as you can do that thing you know the better because you're going to get faster you're going to develop you know your system and it it's just going to click for you someday. And it, it, it kind of has clicked for me. I'm not being cocky or anything, no, but like sure. it has, like I've become really efficient with, with how I conduct my whole process. And it's just cause I've done it probably hundreds of times, hundreds of times this year alone. So, cause you're not trying to reinvent the wheel every single time you got to shoot. No. Like you have a process and yeah, you can like mix it up and be creative, but you've got your, your thing, you know? Yeah. So what is, you know, you obviously are turning around like, you know, a big channel like the Guggen squad yeah. does a lot. You guys do a lot of videos, sure. like a ton of volume. Yeah. What are some things for you like to stay focused and like be efficient? Cause you've got to turn these videos around in a timely manner. How are, cause I struggle sometimes with just staying focused on a project or like procrastinating it. But what are some things maybe you've done that like have helped you stay focused and disciplined to like finish a project? For sure. Um, the biggest thing, and then someone told me this a while ago, um, and I don't really hold that true to it because sometimes I like to spend a little extra time on a project, but someone told me a a while ago, like you need to set deadlines for yourself and you need to be like, I can't get away from this computer till I finish this, either this certain part of this video or I finish this video. Um, you, you need to set like little mile markers that are, that are, you know, pretty out there, like to make sure you, you, you got to get something done at the end of the day. And that, that's kind of been like the biggest thing. And as far as just structuring my time, I'll be like, if I have a week, it really, it really in the, in the front end, it really does help to know what I'm going to be editing, uh, 
you know, before the week starts. But if I have a week, I'm like, okay, Monday, Tuesday, I, I have, or actually this, this week I have three videos to do Monday and Tuesday. I'm just going to be chopping footage, trimming the fat out. And I'm just kind of going to prep these videos for the real edit. And that's coming later in the week. So I'll usually do like Monday, Tuesday chopping and like piecing together like a simple frame of the video. And then the other days of the week, it's just putting together these videos. But I can't tell you how important that like assembly process is of just chopping, maybe fading in and out of audio tracks and like having a simple frame for your video and in your your story and like you can do a lot in like one day and it, it just kind of preps you for the rest of the week because like with these videos that i'm turning out i can turn them out in a couple hours mm-hmm. for sure but yeah that's kind of been like like really quickly for people who don't know because i know there's a lot of people that you know follow our content that are really interested in getting into videography or yep. are into videography um, what does that like assembly process look like? Just, just if you want to like break it down really quick for people. It's just step one for me is just chopping all the footage. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work like this, but like I, I find it like the most productive way I can do it is chopping all the footage and there's no other way to get around going through all your footage than going through all your footage. I mean, you yeah. really have to look at everything. Or you're gonna miss something that's really important, or I don't know. Uh, Dumping it into a timeline, pretty much, is like yeah, and then, then cutting it. Yeah, so I dump it in a timeline and trim the fat, usually. Yeah. And um, yeah, so th- it goes from there to more just refining that simple frame of a structure that I've kind of created from chopping it and you know, kind of kicking out which pieces I don't need and which pieces I do need. And it's just which kinda, can be tough. Yeah, it really can. Cause you're like, Oh, that shot's good. Oh, that one is too. But like what, what tells the story better for sure. Or that talking point was really funny, but is it really even relevant? Right. And so, yeah, it kind of goes from assembly to refining and then from refining probably to like a more sound design and we're not sound design, probably music, mm-hmm. music, any sort of ambient sounds that I can add. Like if I have a drone shot, obviously a drone doesn't record any audio. Yeah. But, um, you know, adding some ambient sounds to it um, during that phase and then, you know, music and then, you know, make sure all your loose ends are tied up really yeah. um, there towards the end. It's kind of like towards the end, you just kind of jump around and do a lot of things at once. It's not really a set. At least that's how I do it. That's when you kind of get into like your real, like your creative. Yeah. It's definitely like a refinement stage and that that's where you can add the the creative touches. Like chopping is just chopping up front. Like you're, you're chopping out the crappy footage. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you really make your, your mark at the end. So to kind of get back to the, I guess the question I was asking, um, on just like how you're staying focused yeah. and I think small, like you're saying, small deadlines are so yeah. important. Like giving yourself deadlines. Like for me, I won't finish. I'll, I will sit on a video for so long if I don't give myself a deadline. Oh yeah. 
And until I, and I think one nice part is having a platform now in an audience. And so I, who can keep me accountable so I can, so a lot of times like when I'm going to release a video, I'm like, all right, it's coming out on this date. Like it's, the video's not done. Like I have to finish it by that date. And that's not to like, like that's not to rush the project, but that's to like give myself, I have to get it done. And so you like, at least that's how it works for me. Yeah. You know, I wish I'd be, I'm still working on it. I wish I could be more disciplined on like getting stuff done quicker mm. and like more ahead of time. But a lot of times that's like what it takes. How do you stay like, make it, make it more sustainable, like for yourself, you know, like give, whether it's like giving yourself breaks or. Yeah. I mean, breaks are definitely important. And a lot of you who are editing video are working from home. And as soon as you can get out of that office or that coffee table and go somewhere else like exercise you and I have talked about exercise how important that is like go for a run go out to a restaurant or go see a friend or go get your mind off video editing that's how you you know get get through like a grueling day of just chopping boring footage it's like you really got to separate yourself from the you're going to get burned out if you're just if you spend 3 days in a row just glued to the chair, no breaks, you know, you're going to, it's, it's not good. You got to get your mind off of it. I find that I, that I edit better if I take a break and get my mind off of it, get my mind on something else. Especially doing something active. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think stepping away from a project too is really good. A lot of times when I'm editing, it's like I overthink everything and yeah. like, you, cause you watch it back time and time again, you watch it back so many times, but then if you step away for say an hour, go on a run, go on a walk or just like go get some food or something, get out of that basically, you know, environment that you're, you're in for editing. But then when you come back and you rewatch it, you're like, Oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's just, you get new eyes on it. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's a really important step for sure. For for just keeping yourself sane. Like it's not like a fun job. <laughs> yeah. It really is not. It's not like you see all these pictures and stuff on Instagram and, and YouTube or not YouTube, but like, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's social media, yeah, you you videos, photos, media. like you see all this stuff and you're like, wow, that guy really fishes a lot or wow. He's outside all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely not the case. Yeah. I mean, it's that's that's not a fun part, but you got you got to like, you know, remember why you got into the the business to start with. You know, it was it was not for me, at least it was not for the filming. It was because I just love being outside so much. Mm-hmm. So and enjoyed like piecing together, you know, a story. Yeah, for sure. But I, I feel like. The best reset is to remember where I came from, and that was going outside first before ever yeah. filming. Yeah, especially when you're doing it, you're like, "Wow, I could be doing a lot worse things right now." For sure. So I, I feel like every video, this process, this might happen to you too, but you're like, at the start, you're like super excited, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be sick!" Like you, you get back, you're like, "Oh, I got all this good footage. This is gonna be awesome." Mm-hmm. You start going through the footage, and you start piecing together your edit. And then there's a certain point where you're like, God, this sucks. Like, I'm so <laughs> bad at this. This is terrible. Like, people aren't going to like this. And then 
you've grinded out and you get through that and then you're like, this isn't bad. And then you, <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. Oh, um, I feel like that happens almost every time I go through a video. It does. Yeah. You have like a weird relationship with the video as you're like, I know that sounds kind of weird, but like, no, yeah. With the process of it. Yeah. Just like you like it some days and then you absolutely hate it another day. And it's like, Oh, this sucks. Everything's terrible. Like, yeah, I wish I, this just was better. And <laughs> there's nothing really I can do but just press on. But I wish it was better. Yeah, I guess it's okay. And then you get done with it, and like someone's like, "Wow, that's really good." Like, thanks. Oh, really? I was just <laughs> shitting on myself a while ago, but like, thank you. And yeah, it, yeah. It's it's weird. I personally, I don't know about you for video stuff, but I, I hate watching my old stuff. I really do. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of enjoy having it though. Like I don't delete anything that I have on YouTube. I mean, there's a few things I've deleted, but for the most part you can see all my stuff. And I I think it's cool to look back on like, you know, the, the first videos that I've done to, to one, just be like, Oh, I've made progress. Like I've, I've made some progress in my video editing or my production skills for sure. They're definitely cringy. I'm like, Oh, like I don't, I'm not going to like show anyone these. Like I'm not going to be like, yo, look look what I did five years ago. Oh, for sure. But Sometimes it's good to look back and see like where you've came from. Yeah. Cause we, we've talked about both of us being perfectionists. Oh yeah. And I'm sure there's a ton of people out there that are perfectionists. Yeah. Um, like progress over perfection yeah. is so important. What it are, is. what are some ways that you've kind of combated being a perfectionist and, um, kind of breaking through some of the, you know, some of the, the downfalls to that? Hmm. I don't really have a good answer for that. It's, it's always like you always hear when someone's asked this question, like you're your own worst enemy and you're, you know, the most critical of yourself than anyone else is going to be. And it really is true. And I'm not, I don't really live by that. Mm -hmm. You know, I know it's true. I'm still a perfectionist at heart, but like at some point in time, like someone's hiring you to do a video and like, it's got to get done some way or another. And like the person that hired you is he's, he's not going to do it. So like you have to do it. Like, I mean, you, you might have to skip a, a, a couple steps of being a perfectionist. Like, yeah, but it has to get done. I mean, it's, it's like the constant struggle of a creator. Cause you speed versus, you know, perfection, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or quality, speed and quality. Right. Is what it is. Cause there's always going to be something in your film that is like, yeah. when you look back, you're like, Oh, like I could have done that better. I could have sure. done this. But I think it's so important that if, as long as each video you make or over time, you're getting better. I think that's the most important part. And like, you might be striving for perfection, but you might not, you might not like, you're not going to get the perfect video every single time. Like, you know, yeah. every video you're never like, I nailed that. Like you're like, you are, it's always close, you know, but maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you're, it's always so close, but, um, you can never quite like get to that threshold of like what you're looking for. I think that's healthy though. Yeah. I, I think there's a problem and some of you might say otherwise to me, but like, I think there's a problem when you're like, wow, that's a really good video. Like, I really did a good job. Not that I say every video I've ever made is bad, mm-hmm. but having that little bit of, 
you know, I guess it's hunger or not, not hunger, but like, it's just the, the, the striving to like do better each time you make a video, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty healthy because it forces you to get better in the long run. And if you're just like after a video, like, man, I really nailed that. I don't know of anything else I could have done. I've heard people say that, like, I don't know anything else I could have done to make this video better. Mm-hmm. It was just congrats to me. You know, I'm the best. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to learn anything past that. You're, you're seeing, I feel like you're seeing the video from a different view. Right. And it's not like a, you know, a critical view. No. Yeah, totally. Like for people who you think like for people who are starting out, do you think there's anything that you see that maybe you went wrong with at the start or maybe you wish you knew starting out or, you, or maybe even like hmm. stuff you see other people who start out maybe kind of miss in terms of like when they're trying to get into video. Yeah. It would have to, it would have to be something about like transitions and why has that become such a thing? Like I know me and you have both done our fair share of crazy the zooms transitions. <laughs> I did maybe like one or two zooms in my day. I know you did some, yeah. <laughs> but what is it with that? dang zoom transition where you're like man i'm gonna i'm gonna throw 16 of these in my video and (laughs) people are gonna just say wow this is gonna be every single time (laughs) all 16 times and uh yeah that that's kind of the i think making it make sense is more important than having a transition yeah i said a while ago like bringing people from point a to point b is important too but it still has to make sense. Like I think making logical sense out of a video is way more important than any sort of effect you can put in there. This is really what we're talking about right now. Like if your focus, if you're in this business and your focus is trying to get a, like a wow out of people or like uh you're trying to create that wow factor, if that's your main focus when piecing together a video, then I would argue that you you might be in the wrong business. Yes, you are in, in the entertainment business, but like I think story trumps all, really. You know, if if you're trying to get just praise from people, you know, in every video, I I, I don't think that's good. I I think that's just cheap entertainment. There needs yeah. to be some depth in there for sure. And uh, I think that's where story comes in. Because every, everyone has their own unique voice, their own unique sure. creative yeah. abilities. And I think the, the motive more so, at least for you and I, you know, is like we, it's like a way for us to express that for sure. You know, and that's not so much, it's not so much that we're doing this because Oh, like we're going to get a bunch of likes or people are going to like love this video. You know, it's good. It's good to share your work. I think it's important to share your work with people. Yeah. But the motive of it is more so like intrinsic. Like this is a way for me to, to share kind of like how I'm feeling about this story or like share your message in a way, which I think is super important. For sure. Um, is for, so for you, is there anything, you know, that you've drawn inspiration from outside of, uh, video and outside of like the fishing industry i'd be i'd be curious to hear like what yeah what sort of inspiration you've drawn 
just what what inspires me what, what kind yeah, of stuff just, do i look at yeah and, absolutely um so i would say and the the people that did that i did the internship with in montana really helped me out with this one one of them said hey take something that is not your niche if that makes sense take something like a subject that you don't film and apply it to the things that you do film. So, you know, you might film hunting, but you might find a video of a swimmer or something. They have nothing in common, but you can still take inspiration from both. So a lot of times I see like people, especially in the fishing industry, watching fishing videos. I'll, I'll, I'll say that I don't watch any fishing videos. Like I'll, I'll watch Scotty's stuff sometimes, but Appreciate like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of, of wildflower. Let's go. But, uh, I mean, I don't watch any fishing videos. I mean, if you really are serious about this and like trying to differentiate yourself, why would you want to watch a fishing video to like get better at your craft? watch a swimming video, watch a running video. If you're in action sports, I mean, a lot of the more action sport oriented videos apply still. Watch still. a documentary, like a yeah. really cool story. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look at it from that way too. Like I was thinking about it more from the action, like mm. fishing and swimming, you know, it's, it's both like people doing something. Yeah. Um, but you can also look at a documentary and be like, wow, I really like how, even if it has nothing to do with fishing, fly fishing, any, any sort of outdoor adventure, you're like, wow, I really like the way they pieced together that story and you can still apply it. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm all over Vimeo. If you are not on Vimeo at all right now, you, you should, there's a lot of, really 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 talented people out there that are putting out really good stuff yo our light turned this light turned off here oh did it yeah i think it it, i think it died all right guys we're back we lost a light we lost our we lost our light so if this looks really bad i we apologize (laughs) we're in our little airbnb here yeah in texas it's the classic fish cabin it really is. You got fly rods in the corner over here. You have the push. This is the longest room of the house over here. If you can see me pointing over here. And that's where we have our push pole. And we've already broken a fly rod in the fan. Yeah, we've had a pretty rough couple of days so far. We really have. We haven't gotten a break yet. Like, we got kind of a break with that one fish. Tomorrow. But, yeah. Bryant, unfortunately, broke a rod on this fan that's in here. Hadn't you <laughs> never casted the rod before? Nope. Never cast. Never casted <laughs> cast it. And no. then we broke. What did, we broke that handle for yeah. your tiller handle no. for your uh, yeah. motor. It's literally the throttle that just makes the motor yeah. makes the propeller go, and it snapped in half today. <laughs> Which is not. I have like a little chub of a of a handle on there, so it's still doable, but it. Yeah, it's just not ideal, but I overnighted some handles down to me. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully they'll get here soon. But And dang. then you had a little spill off the top the first day. I did. <laughs> I did. Dude. 
You keep bringing it's, that up. It's rough. I, I know it's going to happen to me tomorrow. I'm going to get yeah. thrown off. You just wait. I'm learn. I'm going to learn how to pull tomorrow, boys. Um, this should be, this should be interesting. Yeah. I'm on the, I was on the top deck and, uh, or just on the, on the polling platform and, uh, something weird. We were just getting absolutely wrecked by the wind and my pole, the, the push pole got hung in the motor and then the wind like pushed the boat on top of the pole <laughs> and the pole basically just pried me off of the boat like a crowbar and just sent me overboard. And Scotty's like, what the heck I was just is going on? Sitting on the, I was standing on the front looking out for fish or whatever and just hear a <laughs> splash and Brian's yeah. in the water. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> I know. I'm so mad. We were getting like tossed around by this, this, <laughs> the wind anyways. God dang. Did That's I mention terrible. we're not professionals? Yeah. <laughs> did, did we say that we're not saltwater fish, fishing guides? Let's just make that clear. We're not. <laughs> This this trip that we're doing down here, I hope you guys understand. I know we're kind of off, off topic here for a sec, but we both like really have no idea what we're doing. Like we 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 didn't even like yeah. we've been like Google mapping, like looking on Google Maps to try to figure out like little areas to fish from the little redfish knowledge that we have, and just little. piecing things together, which has been really fun, you yeah. know. And it's it's been frustrating and difficult, but I think. Um, I think that's that's part of like the whole DIY thing that we love so much. Yeah. You know, and like the important that like that's how you really truly learn. Like we've both gone with people and you're kind of guided for like red fishing. And um yeah. A lot of the the little things like figuring out where you're going yeah. or figuring out what you're tying on, you don't really think about cuz it's all set up for you. No. But when you're actually in that position and you have to think for yourself, it's like oh my god, like what am I doing? But yeah. then, but then things slowly start to make sense for you. Mm-hmm. Like this week, I feel like for sure, man, that's a perfect segue. You can relate that right back to video yeah, stuff. Like when it's kind of done for you, you're just kind of assisting. It's not, it's not the real thing. And then when you get a project tossed on you where it's just you, it's real. And I mean, that's, that's exactly how this trip is and we're learning it. Yeah. The hard way, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. I've been frustrated just about every day. <laughs> <laughs> With wind and just a bunch of other things coming our way. Maybe tomorrow I'll get to throw a cast, but I've been pull- <laughs> pulling Scotty around. The second that I I caught one fish today, or two fish, but the second I released the fish and hopped on the pulling platform, a huge storm rolled in, and we literally had to leave. Yep. And so I didn't even I didn't even learn how to pull, but... Let's let's segue off of that point into I think there's a lot like a lot of people who are trying to get into video yeah. and everything that, that are listening uh, to this. So I'd love to hear from you. Maybe I guess bouncing off that point is what I was what I'm trying to say is or what I was thinking is um, I think a lot of people try to take shortcuts yeah. in the industry. They're looking for that video that's going to give them the golden nugget yeah. that will, you know, take their videos from here to here. Mm hmm. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't want to go through that process. Oh, yeah. And especially because it's grueling. Like, the editing process can be grueling at times. For sure. So, are there any, are there any like, tricks that you've figured out um, or things that you've learned through just going through the process um, that would be helpful for someone that's starting out? There's no shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just 
that's just that. Like, there's no shortcuts. Everyone wants a shortcut, but if you're willing to stick it out and grind it out, like you'll you'll do fine. Going back to the not, you know, listening to certain people's opinions about your work, even if yeah, you know, like I know for example in high school people would like laugh at me or like mm-hmm. poke fun at me for oh, yeah. oh he makes fishing videos like yeah. he has a YouTube channel like yada 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 for sure you know yeah I remember I remember some people sitting me down like it was really mean sitting me down and saying like what are you doing like why why are you doing this and. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a lot of I think everyone that does any sort of creative anything, whether it be music, whether it be video stuff, photo stuff, whatever, it just kind of seems out there to the rest of the public. I feel like there's there's a lot of people out there that have a creative mind, but there's a lot of people out there that don't. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that will go out of their way. I've found out to you know, make sure you fit in like their little box and just be like, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you fishing? Yeah. Filming? What are you doing? Why do you like making videos about certain things? And I don't know. Um, I've encountered a lot of people like that. I mean, there's not, I mean, just let those opinions bounce off of you Mm -hmm. is the only thing I can really say about that. That kind of goes into like the whole, should you go to college question, <laughs> which I'm sure like looking back, you're probably like, I don't know what, what, what do you, what do you think about that whole? Cause like, I had such a tough time, man. Like, especially just recently graduating, like yeah, figuring out like, oh, was it worth it? Like this and that, you know, what, from your experience, what do you think? Everyone wants to say like, don't go to college. Everyone. That's what some people want to hear. It's like, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to do that. I don't think you have to go to college, but it does give you a good base. As far as filming goes, it didn't help me at all. But it did expose me to a lot of different types of people out there. And I feel like that was a big advantage for my career because I learned how to work with different types of people, people from different backgrounds, stuff like that. So I feel like that part of college is really important. But as far as like film school that goes, a lot of people say like you should go to film school or you shouldn't. I don't know. I, I kind of do wish I, I had some technical, more technical training. Um, I, I think I do know a lot about the editing uh, process, but there are some other like probably industry standard stuff that I wish I did know more about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like a film school or something like that would have really helped. Yeah. It's hard to justify because it's so expensive. It is expensive for sure, but it is an investment. Like if you can spend a little bit of money on that and learn something that is going to help you for years and years, like it's definitely worth it. So I'd love to talk about your college experience. Yeah. Um, I'd love, I just love to hear because you, you know, where you started out and then how you ended up at Lipscomb and kind yep. of your transition of what was going on there and everything. I went to Mississippi state for one year. And like I said, when we started this podcast, like I came from an outdoor family. I love being outside. I love mountains. I love 
rivers, clear water, shallow water, you know, just, you know, beautiful things that you see outside. And I'm not hating on Mississippi. The, it is it is a pretty place for sure. But I went to Mississippi State for one year and I was like, I got to get out of here. It's just not really... Maybe it's because I'm biased on the things I grew up around. Like I grew up around North Alabama, Middle Tennessee. Some beautiful gin clear water, some hills, mountains, stuff like that. I was close to Smokies. Like I was used to all that growing up and going to college in a pretty flat place like Mississippi. The, pretty much the only thing to do over there was hang out with friends and, and party. And I was just like, I need to, I need to like get outside some, like I really do. And so it was, it was really like kind of eating at me. And so one thing led to another. I was like, man, like I really like Nashville. I really like Tennessee and kind of those waters I grew up around and I'm going to transfer somewhere over there. So, you know, be in this little school called Lipscomb in Nashville. And it's where a lot of my family went. Um, so it was kind of an easy choice, but it was just, I mean, Tennessee, I can't say enough good things about Tennessee. Um, it's just kind of the Mecca, not the Mecca, but like the, it's a pretty good spot for a variety of fishing. You have muskie, you have smallmouth, you have trout. And so that was kind of my, you know, my transition there in college. I'd love to hear from you. Um, what are some of, you know, some of your future goals with this whole film deal? And, uh, you know, do you have any kind of future aspirations that you want to accomplish in this industry? Yeah, definitely. I actually, it sounds weird starting in fishing, but I do kind of want to migrate away from fishing. Like still, yes, I started filming fishing and that is one of my passions for sure. But I do want to focus more on people and really all action sports. And I would like to see myself in a couple of years, you know, being in some sort of production house where I'm doing more commercial work. I'm doing not, I'm doing some commercial work here and there right now for some companies, but it's not like, you know, I, I would rather be doing all commercial work. If, if that makes sense. And, um, I could see myself in like four years, five years being in some sort of studio for sure. I would love to do anything with action sports, just anything with people doing something and then anything that's like people focused. I love people. I love telling stories about people. And so that's kind of where I see myself and, and, four to five years is the next deal. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think both of us can agree. Like documentary filmmaking is like kind of where we draw a lot of our inspiration. Oh yeah. Just stems from like the storytelling aspect and focusing on a, like focusing on a, um, a subject and taking them on a journey. So that's kind of like what you're touching on. Yeah. It hits you a lot deeper. Um, like a documentary does for sure. And you know, you spend, so much like we said a while ago like you're putting all these hours you need to put in the hours you need to put in the hours like at some point all of these hours have to mean something and so like i really 
do want to progress and to work with more value to it, more depth. And so I feel like documentaries for sure is they're really hard to make and you know, they, they really hit people on a different level for sure. And I, I feel like that would be one, a, you know, something that, that could really, that I could see myself working on in like four to five years for sure. Um, and then just really honing in on this, this craft, um, in like kind of a studio environment. Yeah. With like more of a production crew. Yep. More crew base, you know, it's all a one man show. Like I feel like for a long time until Mm -hmm. you get to a certain point, like I've, I've started working with several people here now, but it's still more of a one man show. Yeah. Um, and I know at some point you progress to having a crew Mm and stuff like that, but I would like to see myself working more in a crew based environment for sure. So what are, to kind of start like wrapping things up, um, what are some things you, you know, for, for our audience that are, you know, videographers or are trying to get into filming or photography with, with fishing specifically, what are some tangible things that you've taken away from, from, uh, filming with Guggen that, you know, you think would, would maybe help other people in, uh, in specifically like filming fishing videos? Uh, one thing I would say just right off the bat is clean up your shot. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, okay, say you caught a fish and you're bringing it in and like you have it there in the boat, you're, you you filmed it the whole way in and it's like this person's going to sit there with the fish and say, wow, this is a great fish. Move like your stinking rod and like the Cheez-Its you've been munching (laughs) on and beer cans in the boat to the side and kind of clean up that sh- you can control that there's there's a lot of things you can't control but like you can definitely control like how like the shot looks like so many times i see like footage of someone with a fish talking and there's just stuff there's the rod that's in the way there's line everywhere and it just doesn't look good if you have to just tell them to walk to the other side of the boat that doesn't have as much trash, but I mean, that's one thing that's like, you know, yeah, it's definitely to be conscious of. Yeah, for sure. It's important. I think one thing that's super important is just getting the shot with fishing mm-hmm. and whether that's with a GoPro, whether that's with your Sony, whether that's with yeah. whatever camera you're yeah. using. I think you don't have time when you're filming fishing to change to that prime lens or like, you know, fix your ND filter or maybe, maybe get your shutter just right. Like sometimes you just got to roll with what you got and just get the shot, like get the hook set and it might not look the prettiest, but getting the shot is so important, you know? Yeah. It's pretty important. I mean, it is a fishing video, so you need to show fish being caught somewhere (laughs) for sure. Um, I don't know of many fishing videos that don't have, you know, some of our trips because we just have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, this trip is going to be one of the first fishing videos y'all ever see where you don't really see much fish being caught. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on them. Yeah, tomorrow. As far as just um, things that I think up and coming filmmakers 
and and just video people, camera people, whatever you want to call them. Uh, just uh, one thing that I think everyone should go by is just don't be afraid to like ask whoever you're filming to just do something again and get another angle. Like say like Scotty goes and ties on a fly, you know, I have a fly box. He reaches in the box, ties a fly box or ties a fly on that he's selected out of this, this fly box. You know, I might film it at a wide angle first and then say, okay, I know you're going to hate me, but cut the thing off and then let me film it at a tighter angle. Like, let me, let me zoom in if you have a zoom lens and, uh, get a, get a close up of it. Um, a lot of these things that you guys see on not just fishing videos, but I mean, a lot of videos, people are asking these subjects to do things you know, three to four times, maybe even more than that. Like, hey, go and cast that rod in that direction right there. Okay, do it again. Okay, do it again. <laughs> like, don't yeah. be afraid to ask someone to do something again. I, I probably already said that. Take like take the director role where like you yeah. you know like this goes back to planning ahead yeah. and being like you know what going into this I need I know I need these shots for sure. this scene or this transition yeah. and you know, taking that role to be like, Hey, do that again. Yeah. Um, and not worrying about, Oh, this might be awkward or Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, you know, in the way kind of deal. Yeah. I had a client a while ago, um, ask if there was like a certain shot. Like, I don't want to say too many specifics cause it's a really good client, but like there was a, a certain thing that he wanted that I just didn't film and it's not really my fault, but it's just something that he like, he wanted to see, I guess. And he, this is like way after the fact, after the video has been filmed and everything way after the fact. And he's like, Hey, do you have this like specific shot here? And I'm like, no. What I was going to say is it's so important to ask people to do something, you know, for the camera because it's not like you can CGI someone. <laughs> There's not that much fishing. money in the fish industry. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna like, you know, if you're in the in, if you're in the post room, you know, piecing together a video, you're like, man, I really wish I had Scotty casting into this starry Milky Way sky, <laughs> just big Milky Way above, and then redfish jumping everywhere. I wish I had that. <laughs> should have got those i mean it's not like you can direct that like when you're you know on the scene but like you can't see i mean i can't see maybe you could cgi it but uh i'm not good with after effects so. but like you, you get what i'm saying like just take initiative and be like yo scotty i want you to cast over there there's a big milky way above you there's redfish jumping <laughs> everywhere <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. Making sure you're like making sure you're getting that. Yeah, for sure. If you and s- like if you see a important moment, don't be shy. You're not going to get it again. Like mm-hmm. for sure. You, I don't know how good any of you guys are at CGI, but like 
<laughs> you just gotta get, you gotta get the shot. That's what you're. If anyone's good at CGI, let us know so we can CGI some fish into this video. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real, and CGI the handle back onto my uh, oh my, my tiller. Gosh. CGI my uh, your rod back my together. rod back together too. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> all right, we're about to we're about to wrap this up, folks. We've we've kind of been all over the place, but this I hope you guys. Have hopefully, especially you guys who take, uh, who are who are into video, or even if you're not into video, just maybe like understanding the process a little bit more, um, maybe you'll like take a few things away from us. This has been really fun getting to hear your process. You talking know, about everything, talking about everything, man. Kind of getting to hear a lot of you know like how you got into this whole deal, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the struggles that we've both kind of been through through the process. But just would love to to hear some like last minute maybe like one thing you'd want to tell someone who's, who's trying to get into the, the fishing industry or getting into videography. They're kind of just hesitating. They're on the cusp and they just can't quite commit to it, you know, or someone who's just kind of curious, they, they, they can't quite commit to wanting to get into it. Is there any advice you'd have for what you've taken away from this whole journey of mm. becoming a videographer and this whole creative process Yeah, and maybe anything you'd want to convey to anyone who is uh, interested in kind of following that path? sure uh so this was someone told me this a while ago when i was kind of first starting out someone was like hey if you're really interested if you're really interested in this and you really want to do this surround yourself with people that are better than you like just flat out better than you at you know your work and and your your craft and that really like really every stage of my business in in what I do for a living like I've surrounded myself with someone that is better than me and um it just it forces you to get you know get up to their level and try to match it and you know you're trying to reciprocate what you see and it's just kind of a it's it's a it's a good thing to do I feel like when you're really when you're trying to start out, it's like okay, this guy's better than me, but you know, I might go and film with him, or I might reach out to him, and be like, hey man, like if you ever need help, like let me know, cause I I film I know how to work a camera, and you know it could, it could be that person's like, yeah I really do need help, and then you, you know you're all of a sudden you're working with them and and. You, I feel like you learn so much in that situation when there's someone that's just flat out better than you. And you're like, okay, like this guy has it going on. What is he doing that I'm not? And I feel like a lot of times, maybe maybe like people can switch up how they ask their questions too. Like one, not being intimidated by people that are better than you. Yep. Like definitely reaching out and especially share, sharing your interest or sharing your passion mm-hmm. and asking, you know, asking questions. But I think a lot of times people get caught up with the question like, Oh, what camera are you using? Or like, what equipment are you using? What editing software are you using? What, it really doesn't mean much. I mean, what, what do you think like is a different approach to that? Don't think about the gear. I mean, it's it's the person, a hundred percent. Like, it just it's not the the cameras that that really tell the story. It's the person behind it, directing it behind the scenes for sure. And um, it's it's the person. And it's the time that they've put into it for sure. 
like editing, like, yeah, there's automated systems out there now that can edit simple videos, but I don't know if there will ever be an automated machine that can really tell a story like you can tell it. Everyone has their unique voice, their unique creative ability, no matter if you think you're not creative or if you are creative. I feel like everyone's got something that they can share that's unique to them. Um, sure. And that's kind of like what we're trying to say is this is a great outlet to to yeah. go about it. Sure. Um, yeah. Just off of that, that thing you're saying with um, surrounding yourself with, with people that are better than you, like a quote I'd, I love to hear or I've, I've heard in the past is yeah. you should be the average of your top best top five best friends mm-hmm. or something like that. And yeah. I think that rings true with the oh, people yeah. you surround yourself around in, in the industries yeah. that you're in for sure that push you and you know, or help you not become complacent. So for sure. I just want to say a um, couple things. If you guys haven't been following along with Scotty and his channel, he's absolutely killing it. Um, Wildfly short bus diaries. Like he's been killing it really been, liking everything he's been putting out lately and um yeah if y'all haven't really if y'all are kind of late to the party here like y'all y'all should keep watching and subscribe and yeah scotty's gonna do a lot with this channel i appreciate it yeah. uh, it. gotta give uh gotta give credit to, to bryant for coming up with the the whole short bus diaries name <laughs> that was a random idea thrown in a gross group message a few few months ago <laughs> it was just a random deal i know y'all y'all mentioned it in the last podcast like how yeah kind of not really uh, yeah we just, touched on it yeah it was just a, it was literally just a fleeting thought i was just like how about we just buy a bus and then it happened to be a short bus and i was like okay Let's go fish out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. It's hilarious. Uh, well, cool. We, uh, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Um, sure. If you're listening, if you're watching, either way, um, if you guys are ever interested, if you're listening and you want to watch um, the video version, we've always got that available on our Wildfire podcast YouTube channel. Just go over there. Um, we would appreciate you checking that out. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Bryant for coming on. Thanks for um, having me. Yeah, this has been a ton of fun. Where uh, where can people find you if they want to connect or if they want to check out some of your work? Like I said a while ago, I was kind of taking a hiatus from Instagram, but my Instagram handle is brpat, B-R-P-A-T-T. So people can go check out your work. Yeah, that's where you can find me. And then website is where you can also check out my work. It's just my name. So Brian Patterson. Yep. Dot com. That's Brian BR Pat's making a comeback on Instagram. <laughs> 2021. I'm calling it. We'll see. They, we'll the see. biggest comeback ever. <laughs> I got to fish more. I got to fish more. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for watching you guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate y'all. And, uh, we will see you guys in the next one. Peace.